Hello everyone, welcome to our bonus podcast. I'm the host Donato Surbonas. I'm joined by Ritis Vishnauskas. Ritis, how are you? What are your feelings this <laughs> sunny, lovely uh, Monday afternoon? Um, my feelings are great because actually yesterday in El Clasico, Barcelona kicked uh, Real Madrid's asses in, in Santiago Bernabeu, so, which <laughs> makes me really happy. But on basketball topic, uh, these days I, I started watching more NBA games because they started meaning a lot more. Okay, uh, You're getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah, teams are m- trying to improve their position in the standings to make the playoffs, to make the play-in tournament. So... I'm really focused on the NBA right now, following the uh, Joel Embiid Nikola Jokic debate uh, for the MVP race. But at the same time, there's no Rudy Gobert Nikola Jokic uh, debate, right? No, <laughs> probably not. Carl <laughs> Anthony Towns could be there close, but definitely not Rudy. Um, but at the same time, plenty of yearly action. Uh, honestly, I'm really happy because um, last week uh, we were back in the Jalgiris Arena. Probably yeah, our, our viewers and listeners do not know this, but uh, during these uh, pandemic years, we were um, commentating Žalgiris from our studio in Vilnius. We were not uh, going to Žalgiris Arena, and it was really nice to be back, to feel the atmosphere, even though it was not that great, especially Tuesday, against it was FS. Great. Against Oli, yeah. it was nice. Against FS, yeah. it was, yeah, it was bad. silent, but... Um, Last time I was in Žalgiris Arena working, it was Luka Doncic and Slovenia winning what? the oh, okay. Olympic qualifiers. I thought you will say that. No, 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 no. The Olympic <laughs> qualifiers in the yeah. summer. And this whole season I haven't been uh, to, to the arena, so it was nice to be back. That picture and over your head is, is from yep. that game, actually. <laughs> that, was, that was an amazing game, including the oh, atmosphere, yes. the importance, oh, yes. Luka Doncic's performance. Everything about that game is memorable, except the fact that for us it hurts. It was the first time mm. in Lithuania after regaining independence, didn't make it to the Olympics. But yeah, so uh, I'm having a good time recently. And as you said, the weather here is sunny. We were, we're finally feeling spring. Maybe our our listeners from, let's say, um, I don't know, Barcelona or, or More or less Tel Aviv from everywhere in will, Europe. Will, will not understand this. But for us, every sunny day, every time you wake up in the morning and you see sun shining is something special because we don't have many days like that. And it's like that for seven or eight days in a row it kind of feels like something bad is coming because it's not how it's supposed to do uh, in (laughs) lithuania but come on it's march you know it's sometimes in march or april we have snow so i know i'm just trying to be positive uh yeah last week we had uh, two great coaches uh, two great teams olympiakos fs and actually fs uh, ergin sataman's uh, ataman press conference was great he made some good points especially about the uh, euroleague uh, and standings and he made a great point which we actually said like two weeks ago or whatever it, it was saying that euroleague had to show some leadership in deciding uh, all these situations like the classification for the end of the season. Okay, you can keep the voting, but at the same time, if you're a good leader, you can, let's say, impact the voting the way it should be better for the tournament. So that's that's what actually, actually Ergen Ataman uh, said. A few other, he, he was very, uh, Open, open. I would say. Um, actually, before the game, we wanted to have an interview with uh, Ergin. Nothing special, just a pre-game interview. He actually, or let's say, FS, they rejected the uh, pre-game interview uh, session and request. 
but after the game after his winning Kaunas he was he was really interesting and I actually felt kind of you know bad because if we would have been discussing all these topics which he said about you know how much he misses Kronoslav Simon uh, or how tough it is you know to think about it, making the top four uh, to get home court advantage for the playoffs and now they still have to think about just making the playoffs and he said that there was some kind of panic inside the team so I, I really liked uh, Ergin Ataman he was he was very sincere and made some really good points yeah he was right I mean the the that whole vote on the Euroleague standings. It was a selfish vote. Everyone's voting for their own interests and not for the a, a, league's a, a, interest. As we said, Sascal also voted in it, which didn't make any sense. Uh, and yeah, he, he made a great point that Zvezda and Monaco, they were left out of the voting, even though yeah. they had way more to do with uh, for the sure, for sure. decision. So at the same time, I would like to say thank you to some of the people that uh, left some comments uh, on our previous uh, YouTube videos, uh, some of them had really good arguments about the EuroLeague standings, why percentages wouldn't be fair also. And we can agree that none of the outcomes would be 100% mm. completely fair. So we've discussed this already. And um, also, I, I saw one of the Turkish fans probably commenting on our video about Shane Larkin yeah. and his performance in, in Monaco. And I really didn't know and exactly. I didn't didn't read in the press that that he was sick or that he has some health issues and I and felt bad about what we said actually yeah probably, when I you yeah. know when I got, got to know that he 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 really felt sick for yeah, two yeah, days yeah. I think that the Ataman was quoted only by Turkish media so we should apologize for yeah, yeah, yeah. basically r raising some conspiracy theories which which weren't false obviously if if Shane had health issues then it explains everything uh, at at the same time we saw like the real Shane Larkin mm. and Konas the shots were not falling but he was doing a lot of damage to Jalgris with his pace uh, with his passing and and stuff like that so again thanks everybody for your comments your your uh feedback is always mm. very important yeah. and sometimes we make mistakes yeah. Donata, so it's, it's nice to have you following us and and spreading the word yeah and what was very surprising that you know, we are getting the feedback from a lot of different regions of, of Europe, yeah. for example, and we feel very uh, thankful for that. But the most surprising message I've received maybe yesterday or two years ago, uh, two days ago, was from a uh, basketball fan uh, from Ukraine, actually, and he's from Mariupol area. Oh, yeah. It's the, same, the same guy actually messaged me as Ivan, well on Instagram. Right? Yeah. yeah. How crazy it is. I mean, he's listening to our podcast. He said that he, you know, he tries to learn English. I hope not from me. I hope from you. <laughs> Come and to on, get some, some basketball knowledge. Don't and, you know, he's facing all these troubles. I didn't even try to pretend that I kind of understand or, oh, I feel bad for you or something like that. Because all these, you know, words are just, you know. I just said no, stay strong and stay safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which exactly. Is the most important thing right now. Exactly. So it's 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 just incredible. And just a quick reminder that you can follow us on uh, basketnews.com YouTube channel, uh, main major audio platforms like Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you're listening to your podcasts. Just type in uh, Urbonus and you will find us. So today we have 
few interesting topics. We will discuss the game of the week, uh, which in our eyes was the Greek derby, uh, derby between Panathinaikos and Olympiakos. Also, we will share some rebuilding uh, ideas for Panathinaikos. Uh, also, uh, we will raise the question if Rokas Yokobaitis is the NBA player for the upcoming summer. And we have, last week, we had players who might expect a significant pay raise uh, this summer. Now we will check some players who may mm, expect some pay cut or at least they were not... They're not performing to their value yeah. at the moment. Most diplomatic, let's say, uh, description for this topic. Yeah, we're not going to say course. we're not going to say overpaid because yeah. people could argue that every basketball player is overpaid in the sense that uh, basketball players are not doctors or lawyers or yeah. other important people but it's it's a matter of opinion but we're gonna talk about players that are actually they were supposed to deliver uh-huh. but they're not delivering this season and which makes it complicated for them to be in the market for the next year yeah al- although zoran savage partisan gm could disagree with us because he said that 30 years ago players were um, getting paid way way better than right it, now it was the golden era for european basketball i would say with a lot of stars some of them leaving to nba but a lot of players staying, and I think from that moment, late 90s, the beginning of the 21st century, when the whole FIBA EuroLeague conflict happened, they just could not make the best out of mm-hmm. what they had with a lot of stars, a lot of talented players, legendary players. It was the turning point where you could make European basketball big. Yeah commercialized let's say which they didn't and obviously football was leading the way at during those times it was mainly italian Serie A, and then the other leagues started growing the television contracts became huge and basketball sort of stopped they, yeah. stopped developing they not even just stopped they move started moving backwards so yeah you could say that so it, it was a very good point from mr savic I, I read the quote and i actually do agree with him if if a basketball player was earning three millions in the 90s and now the equivalent is like five or six millions at least, at least yeah so there is no improvement to be honest and the worst part is that we're still arguing you know i mean fiba euroleague we're still oh um, yes we oh, still yes. remain in the same place we have those qualifying windows for national teams where euroleague players do not even compete with some exceptions but mainly they don't play there and which makes these um, uh, international qualifiers boring and meaningless. And at the same time, for the players, I mean, you have to choose between playing for your club and playing for your country. It's it's a very bad situation right now, I, I think. And I heard some people saying that, like, the situation right now with the Russian clubs, for example, is a chance for FIBA to step in and, and in the r- next few years to make the FIBA Champions League the main tournament in Europe. But I do not really believe that people in FIBA are that smart to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, and unless, unless you really collapse... Maybe then yeah. they will try to use that opportunity. But right now, even without Russian clubs, I'm not so sure about that. But okay, let's let's start with Panaikos Olympiakos game. Uh, it was one- game of the week just because of the names. Yeah, exactly. Because it's Olympiakos, but 
Uh, it didn't meet the expectations, actually. Although there were no expectations. Uh, these teams are in a very different well, situation. the standings show everything. I mean, yeah. Olympiakos right now is a Final Four contender. Panathinaikos is one of the worst teams in the league. At, at the moment, probably even worse than Jalgiris. Yeah, of course. Because also in the standings. Jalgiris yeah. is competing every single, yeah. every single they coach. They improved and they're in a very good yeah. uh, rhythm they right now. They beat Madrid, they beat Barca, every single coach that plays Jalgiris, for example, Bartoka says that if they would be like this from the beginning of the season, you wouldn't see yeah. them where they are right now in the standings. And Panathinaikos are just as bad as they were in the beginning. Yeah, so the final result was 101-73. to 73. That was the biggest derby victory in international competitions uh, for Olympiakos. Few Quite shocking numbers. Uh, for example, Panaikos lo lost both games to Olympiakos by a total margin of uh, 47 points. That's the largest total margin uh, Panaikos lost to any team in the EuroLeague regular season, according to our uh, collaborator Darius Garolis. Uh, also, what was interesting that Olympiakos started the game 38-13. to 13. That's how they won the first quarter. And before, Panathinaikos never lost any quarter by more than 25 points. Also, Olympiakos, they were only three points shy from matching the highest scoring quarter ever in the EuroLeague. Real Madrid holds the record. Uh, sco they scored 41 points against Alba. I think it was 2020. Uh, and Olympiakos, they were only two points shy from matching the highest quarter difference in the EuroLeague. Ever. And actually, they, mm, Olympiakos owe uh, the record. They mm, beat Maccabi by 27 points. And they won the quarter by 27 points against Maccabi. And what was very interesting, after that game, I made my calculations. And uh, I, I just watched the first quarter because uh, other than that, it was... I watched the first two, so... Reasonable, uh, <laughs> unreasonable. I, I, I couldn't um, concentrate on the second half because... When the trash minutes starts or yeah. already from the beginning of the third quarter, it's pointless to watch the game. And I switched to something else. I believe there was a football game on, so yeah, uh, it, it it was an easy choice. But, uh, what was interesting that Olympiakos in the first quarter they were eight from ten from the two point range and six of eight from beyond the arc. So we have only four missed shots. And what is interesting that Olympiakos had four offensive rebounds. Yeah. So they made three turnovers, and that means that only three possessions ended up without scoring for Olympiakos. That's that's a really incredible number uh, for, for the EuroLeague history books, uh, actually. And, I mean, I think that Mustafa Fall set the tone uh, for that game. How aggressive he was against Papayanis, how aggressive he was not only uh, under uh, Panaikos, uh, uh, under Panaikos rim, but also on the defensive end. He scored nine points, one steal, one block, three rebounds, one assist uh, in, in, in the first quarter. And he looked like that guy from Monstars team from Space Jam. I mean, <laughs> getting all the energy from Panaikos, getting all the confidence and s spreading that confidence uh, to his own team. Uh, first and foremost to himself and the way, I mean, now looking looking at the extension Olympiakos had with them for three more years, that seems like an incredible decision for Olympiakos organization. I mean, Panathinaikos just couldn't defend and there were so many easy spot-up shots by Olympiakos players. Of course, it helps when players like Makisic or Nikolaou make their jump shots because then it's impossible for the other team to uh, take risks, to help each other, leaving some of these guys open. And Kostas Papanikolaou actually had an amazing shooting week because they played two games in Kaunas mm. and then the Greek derby. In both of these games, Papanikolaou 
uh, was putting up his best number so far this season in terms of shooting. In in Jalgiris Arena, he even had his best game of, of the season mm. offensively. I mean, I never questioned his effort uh, yeah. and his um, defense, his dedication his size, to Olympiacos. He does all these things, but he is always very inconsistent shooting the ball. He gets a lot of wide open jumpers, spot up shots, but he's hitting like 32% this season. And in the previous seasons, I remember him being inconsistent as well. If he can be consistent like this, making shots, it's a huge game changer for Olympiakos because Kostas Papanikolaou is a very important player. He plays almost 30 minutes per game. And if Olympiakos is in a playoff series, you could expect him to play like 30 minutes to guard opponents, best players, and, and everything like that. So if he can bring this shooting form to the playoffs, it makes Olympiakos a much better team because Kostas Papanikolaou is a player that the other teams have to respect. But at the same time, if he's missing some open shots, mm -hmm. you have the luxury to leave him open, to leave Shaquille McKissick open, yeah. who is also not a very consistent shooter, to pack the paint basically by leaving the corners. And during these two games, Papa Nicolau really showed that he can shoot the ball, he can make those buckets. And in this game, for example, 13 points, three out of four three-pointers. Yeah, so probably that was, you know, that shooting thing uh, was the thing which kind of, you know, he was liking off to make the NBA career. If he was making shots, if he was consistent he making these three-pointers. He had some seasons in Europe where he was shooting really good. Again, I remember when he moved to Barcelona, after that, he went to Houston Rockets. It seemed like he could be an NBA player. But as you said, maybe the inconsistency. I mean, the Houston Rockets probably were expecting him to be the free and D mm -hmm. type of player. Yeah, I just I just checked some B-Bolitics stats, uh, how he impacts the overall Olympiacos three-point uh, accuracy when he's on the court. So with Papa Nicolau on the court, they usually make uh, three-pointers a little bit better by 2%, more or less. And the average with Papa Nicolau on the court is 36. So it's it's okay, it's okay. He increased after these two games to 34% from downtown. Mm -hmm. And in Jalgiris Arena, he had, like I said, his best game so far, 18 points. Started with two quick three-pointers, then made some other big plays. And he can be a player like that. Um, when you're talking about Olympiakos, you're always thinking about Slukas, about Dorsey, about Mustafa Fall, of course, under the rim. Sasha Vezenkov as the star player on mm. offense. But if players like Papa Nikolaou can step up, if Thomas Walkup can start making some shots, they can be even better than they are right now. Which, which already sounds incredible because they're they're already the great. Team. Yeah. For sure, they are they are already great. But they can be even better if some of these guys just yeah start There's sh start shooting. Still a little bit some better. room for improvement. For example, they make three pointers by thirty five percent, which is only the tenth uh, best uh, record yeah. in the Euroleague. Offensive rating is is fourth. So. Yeah, there's still some room for improvement, but even if we're talking it, about it's Olympiacos. It's very easy to talk about Olympiacos in this uh, context, yeah. uh, because they're a good team. It's a They have a very good, great chemistry as well. But it's a different topic about Palatinaikos in this case, because there are problems everywhere. Mm -hmm. Where's the main uh, problem? Uh, we, you have to the make the rebuild for this team, well, for example. The main example. problem, obviously, is money. 
we've talked about we've talked about it like uh, a few months ago yeah. already that uh, they're not being financed as they were in the past and yeah because there's still that uncertainty with uh, the owner uh, Yanakopoulos he's still he's an owner but he's not investing and it's it's hard for him to sell the team for some reasonable price yeah. so they kind of stuck in between and Probably Panathinaikos people are not used to working with such a limited, low budget. Mm -hmm. For example, Jalgiris does that every year. Yeah, We know that. We will not have a lot of money, so we have to search for players in the FIBA Champions League or in the Euro Cup, some players that the other teams didn't really scout that much. And for Panathinaikos, it is something new. You still want to have some big names on your team, but at the same time, you don't have the money to sign five or six big names. You're trying to stick with guys like Nedovic, you're trying to stick with Papa Petro and Papa Yanis, but then you're lacking money for good, solid role players, which is a problem. And if we are talking about Panathinaikos rebuild, um, let's try to be realistic. That yeah. Next season, they will not have 20 million euros no or way, 50 yeah. million euros. They, they will probably, probably be in a similar situation that they are right now. Yeah, for example, uh, currently the for on the payroll, they spend just a little bit more than 5 million euros. Their total budget is around 10 million euros, and for sure that makes them one of the lowest budgeted teams uh, in the whole EuroLeague. So mm. it's, it's really tough, and you have to be very, very accurate with your uh, decisions. Yes. And one of the main decisions which comes to my mind is... For sure, the let's say the franchise player of this team, Yanis Papapetro. I mean, I like him as a player. I like him as a personality. In my eyes, he's a very good helper for, I would say, for any contender. He would be a very nice, um, let's say, player with a specific role on my team. Uh, but at the same time, I cannot have him as the best paid player. And Papa Petro, he gets uh, close to 1 million euros. And for such such a low budgeted team like Panathinaikos, you know, probably only, Papa Petro is a small forward. And probably only Will Clyburn is a real real game changer from a small, small forward position in the EuroLeague. Other small forwards, most of the time, they're something in between, you know, trying to get this front court and back court thing clicked. And we are talking about guys like Ulanovas, about Deshaun Pierre, uh, for example. These are glue guys. Glue guys, yeah. Yanis Papapetro, I mean, he, he, he was not efficient uh, this season. There were a lot of expect expectations on him. He's averaging almost 11 points on 52 two-point shooting and 25% three-point shooting. Um, his performance index rating is, is less than 10 and he, he's never consistent he's never very impressive he also got injured so it's it's a big luxury for organization like Panathinaikos with the budget of 10 million euros to have him um, and to spend but 1 the, million euros the on problem him. is that you still want to keep some of the Panathinaikos DNA yep. you, you still want to have some good Greek players you saw Dino Smitoglu leaving you saw Nick Kaledis leaving you saw some other Greek players leaving during the years now all you have is Papa Petro and Papa Yanis, basically. Mm -hmm. And Papa Yanis is a big guy. He's having a good season, which means he might get some interesting offers, mm. actually. And Although he's still under contract. So for now, maybe he could stay. It, it would be important. I agree with you that it's a big luxury for Panathinaikos to pay 1 million euros for a small forward, even though he's a Greek player, even mm. though he's a Panathinaikos uh, player. 
but my idea of rebuilding this team starts from something else, actually. From backcourt players? No, from the coaches. Ah, okay, of course. Dimitris Priftis, what I saw from him in Unix and what he's trying to do here with Panathinaikos, he seems to me more of an offensive coach. Mm -hmm. For example, when he was coaching in the Euro Cup, the Unix team had a lot of talent. Usually their games were high-scoring games with a lot of three-point shots, um, trusting the American players to lead the team. It worked, but at the same time, they had a very good roster. This Panathinaikos team doesn't have the money and the roster to win by offense, by skill, and by talent. The example for them should be like Cervantes Vesda building a defensive team. So I'm starting with a head coach, and I would like to have a more defensive-minded coach leading this team. There will be some coaches in the Do market you have any, in, in any the summer. Names that comes to your mind because uh, although uh, Priftis signed a two-year deal with Panaikos, it's yeah. it's very clear if he will stay because I've heard that there was there's some disappointment uh, in Panaikos organization, which is very natural. But you know, sometimes he's a rookie really coach, and sometimes these coaches get a, a second chance. It's very unclear yeah. if he will get a second chance. But if Panaikos will enter the coaching market. It's, it's hard to come up with a name right now. I mean, some of the coaches are top-shelf coaches and Panathinaikos is not in position to sign them. Um, Yanis Foyropoulos is a former Olympiakos coach. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure if he he wants to, the Panathinaikos job, but he is definitely more defensive-minded than, than Coach Priftis is. You have to look at some of the, uh, I don't know, maybe underrated coaches in the lower levels. Um, some coaches... Uh, Usually there are interesting coaches from the Balkans, Croatian, Serbian coaches, Jaka Lakovic coaching mm -hmm. in Germany. I don't know, I'm just brainstorming. Yeah. But the idea is you have to you need to have the clear profile of the coach. And in my opinion, for this planet Nikos team, it has to be a defensive coach. So this is the first thing. The second thing, you mentioned Papa Petru, and I agree with you to some extent about him. My problem is though. Nemanja Nedović, how much is he being paid? Like five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand? I think that he's something around six and seven. His talent is worth it, but you have the player who misses fifty percent of the games during the season, mm. and I don't have any reason to believe that it's going to change. This was the case with Nemanja Nedović for three, four, five years. Uh, he's always getting injured. And when you are a low-budget team, you cannot afford to have your main playmaker, main creator to miss so many games during the season. So This, this year, I think he missed five games, if I'm not mistaken. Five games. That's not that much. Yeah. Last yeah. season, he missed more. But still, I mean, I would be thinking about somebody else, and I think that if I'm building a defensive-minded team, I need to have a floor general Right now, this team has combo scorers like Nedovic and Macon. They brought in Stefan Jovic, but it was already in the second part of the season. And he's injured again, and they're really lacking of true yeah. floor general, so I would say. Rebuilding this team, I would need a point guard, a solid point guard, and there are some really solid players, for example, in the Spanish league, not in the EuroLeague clubs, but in some of those teams, and you could find something there. Moving on, 
I need a stretch four. This Panathinaikos team has problems shooting, and their power forwards are very limited. They're playing Okaro White and Jeremy Evans at the power forward position. To me, in the modern game, both of them are more centers, centers in the switch all defense, for example. They are not good shooting the ball from distance. I need at least one stretch four on my team. I like having Papayanis as the center, as the big guy. Mm-hmm. I need a more mobile center as a backup, not Cavadas, some, somebody more mobile. But then I need also a power forward that can shoot the ball. A good example could be Tyler Kavanaugh from Jalgiris, somebody like that. And then again, just shooters, at least one good shooter. This Panathinaikos team doesn't have good spacing. Why? Because they don't have shooters. Yeah. You're playing a lineup with Howard Centros, Jeremy Evans. They have good athletes, but they just cannot make shots. They're not good shooters. And they usually end up in uh, half-court basketball. Uh, if you remember previous teams, they, they were always running and gunning. Uh, yeah. This team is neither very fast nor they're very accurate. I mean, they're 17th uh, by three-point shooting accuracy. They're 11th by the pace uh, of the game. Their offensive rating is only 17th. Defensive rating is also 17th. So there are a lot of a lot of uh, problems. So and my, uh, my rebuild will would require a, a, lot, a lot of changes. I mean, yeah. Daryl Macon wouldn't be on my team. Uh, Nemanja Nedovic wouldn't be on my team. Howard Sintras wouldn't be on my team. Okaro White, Jeremy Evans. I could keep one of them as a backup center, not as a power forward. I'm actually okay with Nedovic or Macon. I would keep one of them. I want scorer at my backcourt. But as you mentioned, I, next to Nedovic or Macon, I need a true point guard. The worst thing is that it's really hard for these point guards to adapt in the early. We have a lot of uh, uh, different cases with rookie early point guards. Uh, for example, we we saw what happened with Emmanuel Moody. Uh, for example, the transition to early basketball for Keenan Evans uh, took a lot of time. Uh, Kendrick Perry uh, that was a bad experience for him and Panaiko. So, I would like to have something experienced. Let's see. But the thing is that in, in this market, all these experienced point guards they're signing with big teams for big money. And if, for example, Lorenzo Brown uh, will be a free agent uh, and he will leave Unix, I would love to see him in Panaikos, <laughs> yes. but he's just too good right now yeah, uh, for them. Unless you're not paying one million to, to Yanis Papapetro. So other cases, I don't know. Mao Dolo, Ethan again, Lundberg, I'm not Mao so Dolo, sure. Again, a combo guard. Exactly. I mean, if you, it's, if, it's really hard to find. If you're keeping Nedovic, then you need somebody else. And then, yeah, next to Nedovic and the true floor general, I need very defensive-minded mind- guard. Just Actually, just what uh, Olympiakos did with Slukas, Dorsey, and Wokop. I think that this kind of uh, strategy on your backcourt, it, it works. Yeah, it does. Uh, but again, we're talking about limited money, which is yeah. why I'm saying that yeah, yeah. I need to be very careful. My biggest investments have to be the point guard, the coach, and a shooting big, as I said. Mm-hmm. So with these guys around, I could trust my coach to build a good team, sign some role players. Of course, I would need at least one or two Americans that can play a one-on-one in isolation. That American maybe fits the profile, but... Um, I'm not sure I really liked what I what I've seen from him this season. Who, who, who do you choose? I mean, if you have to decide between Nedovic and Macon, I, I would have Nedovic in this case. Mm. But as I said, in in my idea of the rebuild, both mm. of them would yeah. be out. Yeah, 
And oh. it's nothing against Nedovic. He's a great player. But I, I, I'm just thinking about Panathinaikos in the position where they are. And do I want to have a injury-prone pr- player for more than half a million euros? Mm-hmm. Which is also not very consistent. He had some good games this this season, but sometimes it happens that Nedovic has a v- good game on offense. Panathinaikos still does not win and is beaten by a lot of points. So, yeah, or or sometimes he just loses the control of himself and he just really loses the game, lets it go go away. Although I, what is interesting that I've heard that uh, he's let's say, kind of a locker room uh, leader uh, for Panathinaikos and players uh, around him, they kind of believe in him. So that's also important uh, for the continuity uh, of the team. And you know what they're also missing? You, you already mentioned, I mean, only Papa Petro, Papa Yanis, and other than that, I don't see any solid impact of any other Greek uh, player. And... Uh, I think that they should. They are actually doing it uh, right now. They signed that sixteen-year-old uh, uh, Greek po- prospect, Alexandros Samodurov. He's a potentially NBA player in the future for sure. He won't help them in in, in the near future on the Euroleague level, but at least they're trying to to sign some uh, promising Greek players. But I think I have one interesting solution for them, and I was actually surprised that is the best, highest-scoring Greek player in all international competitions, uh, including EuroLeague, EuroCup, and FIBA Champions League. And it's uh, Panayotis Kalaitzakis. It's crazy mm-hmm. to have this efficient and all-around Greek player playing in Lithuania for Letkabelis Panayvegis. And when he came to Lithuania three years ago, uh, I guess, he was nothing. He was scoring like one or two points per game in the highest Greek basketball division. He came to Nevejis, one of the worst teams in in Lithuania. And for me, he he looked like that, you know, kind of, uh, let's say, brother signing because everybody was talking about Panayotis Kalizakis, the NBA draft prospect. And it seemed like they brought... uh, mm, uh, sorry, George George Kalizakis, uh, Yorgos Kalizakis. He he was the NBA prospect. He he's he was the NBA player, and everybody looked at Panyotis, uh, his brother, as somebody who will take care of him, take care of his brother in Lithuania. But actually, he emerged as very very interesting uh, player. He, he's hustle player. He became more efficient in Latkabilis. Nobody expect that he will be the top scorer. Uh, they just thought that he will be that energy guy coming off the bench. Now mm-hmm. he became one of the most consistent players on the very solid EuroCup uh, EuroCup team, I would say. So he's still only 23 years old, I think. So that should be player who should be really considered by top teams like uh, Panathinaikos, especially now in their situation. A lot of decisions uh, to make for uh, Dimitris Diamantidis and Fragiskos Albertis. To sum up, we can just say that, you know, first of all, they have to solve the situation with Dimitris Genokopoulos. Uh, on their future, that's probably the biggest uh, thing for them. Then, of course, the head coach, who is the franchise player, how much do you, ha- do you pay for the French pl- uh, fran- franchise players, what do you do with the Greek players, and what do you uh, do with your uh, backcourt stars? A lot of a lot of decisions uh, to take. From, from what I hear, they're kind of patient in Athens, because if they're... There was not Alvertis or and Diamantidis. Fans would go really wild about what they're uh, watching. Diamantidis during the Greek yeah, game. yeah. I really feel bad for them. I, I liked the idea of, of one of Gazeta reporters, George uh, Kovaris, who, who suggested uh, that um, both Diamantidis, Alvertis, and also Panthinaikos players, they should have a big picture of that scoreboard of the game against Olympiakos uh, on their the locker room and in the front office. Yeah. 
it's so hard probably for Diamantidis and Albertis to see Panathinaikos like this and to work on a budget mm-hmm. that is like 5 million euros. Yeah. And we cannot forget they're, they're new in this job. Yeah, and they were used to winning. They are Panathinaikos legends. They were one of the best players in Europe during their time. And now you're in a whole different world. Olympiakos is miles ahead. In the EuroLeague, you're not playing up to the standards. You don't have a lot of money to fix things quickly. So it's hard, definitely. I mean, Diamantidis was a genius on the court, but not every genius on the court is a genius in yeah. building teams or coaching teams. So it's going to be a big challenge. It's going to be a big challenge uh, for Rokos Jokobaitis as well. He wants to make a promising, prominent NBA career. Yep. And we have a question for this uh, podcast. I mean, Rokos Jokobaitis already showed some good strides with uh, Barcelona playing good games in crucial moments against top teams, um, also becoming a very important part of Barcelona this year. And he's, he was drafted by New York Knicks uh, last summer. And the question which uh, we're raising right now, some fans are also discussing it, if he's the NBA player this summer already, if he's the New York Knicks player uh, for the upcoming season, what do you think? Do, do you see him uh, over there, especially now when you're in the playoffs mode already? Hmm. I could see him in New York. I could see him being the part, of, uh, uh, being a part of that team, especially when New York Knicks are not strong in the point guard position. Um, let's be real. I mean, Derrick Rose is close to his retirement. Um, other players they have, Alec Burks, or I don't know what else. Basically, the situation with Kemba Walker didn't work out. So the point guard position is up for grabs in New York mm-hmm. right now. But I think that Rokas Jokubaitis will not play for the New York Knicks next season. I think he still has one more year in Barcelona. Also, he's very smart. He understands the situation, the circumstances. He knows that the NBA will not run away from him if he continues to put up performances like this season. And next year, he might be even better. For Barcelona, he might be their main point guard. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is possible that this year, uh, this season, he wins everything with Barca. All the titles. They already have the Copa del Rey. They are the favorites for Liga Andesa. They can win the Final Four, become the EuroLeague champions. And, uh, champions in, you would see yourself as a complete player in Europe with all these titles already. But there are examples of players going to NBA too early. For example, last weekend on Saturday, I had a Timberwolves-Bucks game. And during the trash minutes when there was less than two minutes left, Leandro Bolmaro stepped on the court. He's still not ready for the NBA. He doesn't have the jump shot. He doesn't have the consistency. He doesn't have the trust from the coaching staff. And he is stuck on the bench. He's a young player. He could have stayed in Barca for at least one more year and improve, mm-hmm. but he went to the NBA and Jokubaitis took his spot. And Jokubaitis is performing at a very high level right now. He has the tools, he has the skills, he improved his jump shot, which is very important. Right now he's hitting those spot-up three-pointers very consistently. Yeah. Um, we know his pull-up jumper from mid-range is very good. He's left-handed, he still needs to improve his right hand. He still needs to improve his defense and I'm not only talking about one-on-one defense, basically just reading the defense, yeah. rotating and stuff like that. 
he can take those steps with Sharuna Sisekavich. So I think he is in the best environment right now to improve as a player. And after one more year in Barcelona, I think he will be 100% ready for the NBA. Right now, it might seem like a good opportunity because in the New York Knicks, they're limited on the point guard position. But I just don't think he needs to rush this. Do you think that, yeah, I completely that he needs agree to step to the you. NBA already? I still think that there are a lot of games to play for him, a lot of experiences to go through for him to improve his game reading uh, situation reading bow on both uh, ends of the court we still see some immature decisions both uh, on the offense and, and on the defensive end but yeah the most important thing is that I mean I just think that he really enjoys that experience he's having right now in Barcelona he's enjoying these important minutes against top teams but I mean he, he really knows he really understands that he's still it's still early too early for him and what i like the most about Jakubait is that he was always kind of shy of himself and of his chances you know to to succeed on the highest level and especially in the nba he was always a fan of the euroleague basketball and he never expected to, to never expected to be interesting player for teams like barcelona at first now he made the barcelona team he didn't expect that he might be interesting for the NBA. He was drafted, and uh, he's getting a good feedback uh, from from states. So the best thing is that he's not forcing things. He's enjoying his experience, and it seems like he's going, you know, step uh, by step. And the thing with the New York Knicks is that I don't really trust that organization. You know, I don't see any footprint for let's say young, especially European guards coming to this team. And this organization have a clear strategy on improving and developing uh, all these international talents. No, it's I mean it's it's a very risky situation. Although when you see the um, their depth chart, their point guard position right now, it seems like you know it's a good opportunity for Rokas to shine because there's the competition over there is not not really great in that position. But it's just New York. I mean everything can change so quickly in not only summer by summer but during the season. Of course, over there, you're just one of many. Yeah, I mean, to us, Rokas Jakubaitis looks like something special. He's going to be the leading point guard for the Lithuanian national team for the next 10 years, at least, or even 15 years, let's hope. For the New York Knicks, he's a second-round draft pick. You might give him an opportunity, but if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. No hard feelings. Yeah. For example, they had, like, Frank Nilekina, a young uh, French point guard. They gave him a chance. He was eighth pick. I mean, it, it, was, a huge it was a lottery pick. It yeah. was a lottery pick. But again, it didn't work out. Fine. They parted ways. Right now, I believe he is in Dallas Mavericks, somewhere on the bench, sometimes getting some minutes. But you cannot call his NBA career so far a, a success. Mm -hmm. So, and, uh, and also, I mean, we have example of Kevin Pangos. He was considered as a top guard in Europe. Yeah. All teams wanted him. Ceska, they were praying for him all season. Finally, they got him, but he couldn't come to, to Russia uh, because of uh, war in Ukraine. Uh, and, uh, I mean, he, he it seemed like he was kind of ready, but we still had concerns. And what we saw, that he didn't even make the Cavaliers lineup. I mean, it's a different case uh, uh because he's an undersized point guard and the size in NBA is very important. And Rokas Jakubaitis has the size, which is why I compared him more to Leandro Balmaro as a young prospect. It's not like Jakubaitis is racing against time. He's 21 years old. 
next year he will be 22 and even if he stays for a little bit longer and enters the NBA age 25 people in the NBA would still see him see him as a young rookie mm -hmm. there's no rush you're in a very good position right now you're playing under one of the best coaches you have a good relationship with him from Jalgiris days which is continuing now in Barcelona you have more and more trust from your teammates star teammates like Mirotic or Kaledis they are trusting Jokobaitis to make big plays. We saw some clutch performances from him. For example, in the Copa del Rey final, in the fourth quarter, he was lit. So I don't think he should really think, even think about NBA next summer. Mm -hmm. Just focus on Barcelona and what you have right now. You are in, you are in a very good position. I mean, people did not even expect him. Yeah to play so many minutes in Barca in his we first year. We didn't expect year. that. We didn't expect that. Y you said, like, he's going step by step. I would say that he jumped over, like, five steps. In a good way. In a good way, definitely. I'm a big supporter of Jokubaitis. I always cheer for him. I wish him the best, which is why I'm saying the NBA can wait. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't succeed in the NBA, it's not a huge problem. If you prove to everyone in Europe how good you are, when you decide to go back, you will have plenty of offers and opportunities. So, Yeah, for sure. He's, without a doubt, he's the best young player in the EuroLeague at the moment. Um, the rising star. He's a rising star, and he, he might be the best point guard in the, in the upcoming years, actually, in the EuroLeague, because especially when we are facing point guard market, we're talking about point guards we're lacking of. Okay, Jokobaitis, he also has some skills and abilities of being a combo guard, but at the same time, he's a really good floor general. And I will never forget how Sharas was talking about him after loss in, in Istanbul when he was the head coach of, of Jalgiris and Jokobaitis was probably 18 years old uh, at the time. And Jalgiris had Nate Walters, uh, other point guards, and he, he was saying to one guy uh, behind the scenes that Jokobaitis, he, he knew the game plan best among his uh, guards yeah. and he did what I want to do on the court and he's really smart and don't he forget that he actually played as a shooting guard for Martin Schiller yeah. for the whole year he was more a shooting yeah, guard and than he didn't like guard. that he didn't like that but he was getting minutes yeah. on the court in the EuroLeague and now in Barca he's a true point guard I don't know if you saw the game against Cervantes Vesda last week on uh, not full game not full game Rokas Jokubaitis played a perfect quarter in my eyes. The second quarter, mm -hmm. he played a whole 10 minutes. It was like a perfect performance for a point guard in Shara's team. Then in the second half, it was a different story. Maybe they lost the concentration a little bit. They had a big lead. But in the second quarter, what Jokubaitis was doing with Davis on those pick and mm -hmm. roll situations, the alley-oops and everything, he made all of his shots, the jump shots, driving to the left, it was a perfect quarter. And of course, in the EuroLeague, consistency is key, especially for young players. I don't want to say that Rokas Jakobaitis already accomplished everything and he's a complete player. There's still some things to improve. He's still not that consistent. There are still steps he that he needs to take forward. But yeah, he's just a potential EuroLeague star. And we're being maybe a little bit selfish because right now, if you become a young superstar in the EuroLeague, you leave at the age of 20 or 19 or 21, and you don't get to see these players 
spending their best years in Europe anymore, mm-hmm. like it was like 20 or 30 years ago. So selfishly, I would want to see Okubaitis playing in the EuroLeague for more yeah. than one season, two, three seasons to shine. I don't know, to maybe even be the contender for an MVP. Yeah, why not? Why not? Because also, I'm really sure that one day we will see Vasa Mitic leaving, going to the NBA. Yeah, sooner than later, probably. We thought that it actually will happen last summer. It didn't. Maybe it will happen this summer. Who knows? So, Yeah, from what I've heard uh, regarding to New York Knicks and their plans on uh, Rokos Jokobaitis, let's say there are no intentions yet on bringing him uh, to the team for the upcoming summer. But also what I've heard that... Uh, Although I'm not so sure about New York Knicks as a very good destination for Jokobaitis NBA future or NBA rookie experience, uh, I've heard that he has, let's say, many or at least a few NBA teams which really like him. And I talked with some NBA people and they said, hey, listen, if he will get a good, reasonable opportunity over there, of course, that that kind of, you know, thing mm, relates uh, and fits to a lot of European players, promisingly European players, even if you're talking about Misic or Jokobaitis, it's the same. They all need the opportunity to shine and to show if they can succeed in the NBA. But they said that he really deserves the chance and he, he might be uh, really good and probably we already talked about it before, but he, he really reminds... I mean, if you want to find... Um, good European EuroLeague player in the NBA to succeed in the NBA, you have to find some comparisons. I mean, some successful comparisons uh, from from previous years in the NBA. And Jokobaitis, he always reminded players like uh, Goran Dragic or Beno Udrich. Uh, some say that he has some similarities with uh, Tomasz uh, Satoransky, uh, for example. And these were really solid guards. I mean, in the best case scenario, um, reaching, for example, Goran Dragic ceiling, that's oh an amazing NBA career. If we have a Goran Dragic career. Yeah, and even Beno Udrich, you know, we kind of talk about him as a downgrade, but actually he has a career average of eight points in the NBA. He, he, he was an NBA, NBA champion. The main problem of Ben Udrich was that probably he was just playing for losing teams. And Jokobaitis, uh, the way he's passionate about winning, uh, how dedicated he is, I mean, he deserves to get a chance on a better team, on a contending team. But, I mean, these are good comparisons to him, and I don't see any reason why he couldn't reach, for example, Ben Udrich's success. But I think you s- you need to go to the NBA when you're mature. Yeah, yeah I, unless I you're Luka Doncic, it's a different story. Or you have a good but organization which will be patient with you. I mean, all these examples we have right now, I mentioned Bolmaro. Let's let's Luka talk Vildoza. about last season's Euroleague rising star, Usman Garuba. Yeah. Is he happy right now? I mean, would he <laughs> be playing minutes for Real Madrid this season for sure? Is he getting minutes on on the Houston Rockets team? No. It would be such a pity to see, for example, Rokas Jokobaitis playing in a G League. He doesn't belong yeah, there. Yeah, and, yeah. and Usman Garuba has to play some G League games because he's not getting playing time on Although the Rockets. Although he was already a game changer in the EuroLeague playoffs. I mean, it seems like US or NBA specifically, they made some kind of sanctions for European players <laughs> coming to the NBA in the past couple of years. Although it's we have these uh, Turkish young guys this this year that are actually blossoming mm-hmm. and Shangun, for example, yeah. a very interesting player. Sometimes it's hard to understand why one player got mm-hmm. the chance and yeah. the other didn't. But in Jakubaitis' case, go to the NBA when you're mature. 
when you completed the European basketball, let's say, for example, Vasamic just completed yeah. the European basketball. Yeah. He's mature. He has the body. He has everything. For he, him he won to the move Uli, to the NBA, he won the MVP. Yeah, for him to move ready. to the NBA would be. It would make sense. At the same time, if it doesn't work out, go back to Europe. You have five offers on your table. Every team wants you to be the main point guard. Choose which one. And I would like to see Jokobaitis in, in this position because now you can move to New York Knicks, sign a free year deal, uh, get stuck on the bench, then constantly talking with your agent. How are we going to work this out? Am I going to be stuck for three years? Will I be able to leave? What's going to happen next? Now they're forcing me to play G League. I don't want to play in the G League. So, you know, all these questions. Because the New York Knicks will see Rokas Jokobaitis as one of many potential prospects and these organizations are not known for patience. They're mm -hmm. not known for being patient, especially the Knicks, because you're in the Madison Square Garden. You have to win. Yeah, they People want to, make want the to see you winning games, which they haven't been doing for a, a lot of years. Also, the New York Knicks fans, they don't have an eye on Europeans, on mm -hmm. young European players. Remember how they greeted Porzingis when they drafted yeah. him? Yeah. So they're going to see Rokas Jakubaitis like, where's he from? Who is he? Exactly. Yeah. And just I'm wishing him the best in Barca. We have a short list of players um, who... how They're how not they? performing to their value. Yeah. That's the best description. We cannot call them overpaid players, although they can expect a significant... Uh, a salary decrease in the upcoming free agency, for example. Not all of them, because some of them they have contracts. But if, if, if all the players are becoming free yeah. agents, uh, we see their value very different. So who would you start with? I have two names, one from the big market, one from the smaller market. So I'm going to start with a big one. I think it's Nigel Williams-Gas. I believe that Real Madrid signed him to be the main point guard to mm. solve the point guard issue, which was left when, when Facundo Campazzo departed for the NBA. And for some reason, he's just not playing very well in Madrid. I know he had some injuries, but at the same time, when he's healthy, sometimes he doesn't even make the roster or, or he gets like 12 minutes on the court. It's maybe difficult for him also to adapt to coach Lasso's approach to this uh, Real Madrid's rotation. He's used to playing like 30 minutes and being the key player as he was in Krasnodar, as he was previously in Partizan, um, in Olympiacos. So basically Real Madrid signed him for, I believe, more than a million euros. Yeah, it's something, I think that's something between 1.2, yeah. 1.3 million euros. And everyone... Everyone expected him to be the main point guard in Madrid, and he is not. Real Madrid is still dependent on Sergio Yu to make mm -hmm. big plays. Even Thomas Ertel is playing better than Williams Gas. Yeah. And if Williams Gas would enter the free agency, let's say next summer, uh, if he's leaving Real Madrid, I don't think he would get offers from those top teams. Maybe some teams in Euroleague would sign him for their rebuild process. For example, Maccabi, like Tel Aviv, or yeah. Panathinaikos, if they could offer him solid money. Mm -hmm. But it's not about million euros. It's more like 600, yeah. 700k. Yeah. And also, top Euro Cup teams, because he's a proven player in the Euro Cup. The way he was leading Krasnodar, for example, last season. 
So the EuroCup teams, those uh, richer EuroCup teams could afford him. But um, the elite EuroLeague clubs chasing titles, for example, Anna Dolefas would not consider replacing Vasa Mitic with Williams Goss after mm-hmm. the season he had in, in Madrid. Uh, so he's the top name I have on this uh, list of players not playing to their value. And I don't know why it's happening with him. I'm not sure. Is it because of his inconsistent jump shot? Is it just because of some mental things, psychological mm-hmm. side of things? I don't know. Yeah. But it's not working out for him in, in Madrid. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a weird situation with him because if you remember in Olympiacos, he wasn't very successful uh, as well. And okay, you you could have thought that it was his rookie experience, so it was everything was normal. But after getting a solid role in Lokomotiv, uh, after getting uh, after bring delivering big numbers uh, in this team and getting all these good feedback out there, I I really expected that he will be. Uh, significant game changer for for Real Madrid but it seems like that that's why they have to look at uh, Shane Larkin and uh, other players uh, backward stars to improve uh, their team Uh, on my list uh, I will start from a player uh, who is playing his career low season although he's really on the top shelf of of players getting paid in the EuroLeague and it's uh, Chris Singleton he's averaging only 3.6 points per game 2.54 rebounds both career lows in in his EuroLeague uh, career also he's hitting three pointers on only on 19% and with him on the court FS offensively the they are minus 13 per 100 possessions. I mean, it's uh, it's basically playing four against five uh, offensively. Okay, we all know that Singleton was always more defensive-minded player, and even if he goes scoreless, he can mm, make a, a big, big impact uh, for, for his team. But even on defensive side, although he, his numbers are not uh, bad, uh, more or less he still mm, improves FS uh, defense if you we count it uh, per 100, 100 possessions. Uh, but, you know, there were a lot of games where he was seemed to be just not interested in what he was doing, um, showing no passion, no hustle at all. And it seems like the, he just got old in terms of being curious about the whole mm. game. So... If he becomes the free agent, I think that he still has a plus for the next year with FS. Uh, I think that FS will try to opt out of this contract if they will be able. I'm not so sure if it's a player's option or team option because from what I've heard, he makes something around $1.7 million or euros, which is incredible. It's connected to the fact, it's related to the fact that the way they made the contract was putting higher amount of money for for the future years so in the first years uh, he he was getting less money but still it, even if it's something like 1.5 1.2 he's not uh, performing uh, to that kind of uh, salary and if he's becoming a free agent next summer i think that maximum what he can expect is seven or eight hundred thousand euros but the thing with chris singleton is that He's a proven EuroLeague player. He is a champion. And I- if he's a free agent, I could imagine, for example, a Torre Messina giving him a one-year contract to yeah, join the to veteran, team of, of veteran team of Milano. Uh, I he, agree. He, he's the player who will still get a chance. Yeah. I mean, he's not that old. He's 32 years yeah, old. Yeah, he's only 32 years old. I agree. He just got older mentally, I would I, say. I agree completely that he's not performing to his value this season in, in FS. And it's not like he had injuries. If I'm not mistaken, 
Chris Singleton is one of these Iron Men in EuroLeague yeah. that doesn't even miss games. Yeah. He never gets injured. And he's an energy guy. He's a defensive player. He's a tough player. Um, on offense, well, sometimes he makes shots. Sometimes you can expect him to score points, but that's not why he gets paid money. But this is not the Chris Singleton of, of last season. I agree with that. I mean, last season, if you remember, they had a game five in the Madrid series and all of a sudden Chris Singleton became a Kevin Garnett mm -hmm. <laughs> and they won the game and they won the series. I think he still has it in him. I don't see any reason why he couldn't play at that level again. If he's unhappy in, in Istanbul, yeah, that, that, so that's, that's a different, different story. There's so much potential in him. He's still not that old, but the thing is that he, he seems like that he just shut it down himself. Yeah, but, but if I'm building a team, a potential championship team, and he's a free agent and his value has decreased, I would sign him for one year, mm -hmm. of course. one plus of course. one or something like that. Give him 600 or 700K, it could turn out to be a very good move. Yeah. But for FS, yeah, maybe they need some changes. They need some to fresh refresh, refresh the roster. It would make sense to, to part ways with Chris Singleton, the way he's playing this season, especially. And then, as I said, I have another name from the smaller market. And in the small market, you cannot afford 400,000 euro mistakes. It's too much. Ralgiris Kohn is building a team for this season. First of all, they signed Emmanuel Mudiay. The project was not successful. They got out of his contract, but they couldn't sign a, an adequate replacement in, in November or December, which is why they brought Ty Webster. And Ty Webster is not a EuroLeague player. No offense, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's not. It's just facts. And they have Jan Strelnix. If you remember our podcast before the season, I was questioning this move. Why? Why in the world do you sign an injury-prone veteran? Is it just because he's Latvian? You were in negotiations with a guy like Darren Hilliard. You could have went for some um, American shooting guard that can actually score. He's athletic and can play one-on-one. Yanis Trenlix looks like a broken player. I'm sorry, but now I'm supposed to believe that his injuries are in the past? Did you see him on the Euroleague court last week? It seemed like he's 50. Every I'm time sorry, he fails. I mean, and they're paying him 400k. You cannot afford these mistakes if you're Jalgiris, if you're Alba, if you're any of those other teams um, with low budget, Zvezda and all the others. And the Anastar next to me, it's a mistake that Jalgiris signed him. And I said it from the first day when they did it. Tzeska can afford to pay 400k for a player that is injured. For a rotation uh, player. A rotation player. Jalgiris, He's supposed to cannot. be one of the go-to guys yeah. in Jalgiris. And it leaves you in a situation where, where Lukas Lakavicius is the only point guard, the only guy that, the only ball, ball handler, and he has to play 30 minutes, and he's tired, he's worn out consistently, and Strelnix is either injured or he's on the court playing the way he's playing last two games. He had some decent performances in the beginning of the season, mm -hmm. but we know he can shoot the ball. In my eyes, if his agent works very well next year he could end up in one of the spanish league teams or one of the italian league teams for like 250k or something like that but he's not a euroleague player anymore and the euroleague teams after this season will not even consider him that's what i think yeah 
I think it's it's, it's pretty fair enough. It, we we kind of consider him as an offensive uh, upgrade for we considered him as offensive upgrade for Jargiris, but uh, with him on the court per hundred possession, their offensive rating is even worse by five point three points. This is this is huge from he the player. He's a like good Sternix. pick and roll offensive player. The problem is the last time when he was a good pick and roll offensive player was in Bamberg. Mm-hmm. It was a long time ago. So yeah, this is um, my example from the smaller market. And actually, those mistakes, signing players that don't work out, they hurt even more if you're a small market team. Because yeah. if you're FS, if you're Real, if you're Barca, and one or two signings do do not work out, it's not a big deal because you have some other franchise star players that are leading the team. You, you cannot end up in a situation where Lukas Lukavicius becomes your... Nope. Most solid no way. backcourt Lukas player. Lukas should be playing He's 18, a great guy. 18 to 20 minutes. He's yeah. an energy player. Great backup, but yeah. not a main point guard for your team. And the, another thing, I mean, maybe some of our listeners don't really care about Jalgiris, but you, you're you signing Kalnietis, a veteran. How can you sign Strelnex as well? I mean, okay, you, you've signed Kalnietis. He's, he's your man. His blood is green. <laughs> then sign an a young, fresh American shooting guard, mm. not Jan Strelnex for 400k. I mean, come on. <laughs> I love how still you're so passionate about uh, about the signing. These moves didn't make any sense no. to me in, in the summer, <laughs> and right now when the season is about to end, it's very obvious. Okay, my second guy mm, is, I would say, mm, it's not his fault, uh, that his uh, value will decrease. It's mostly related to the Russian market collapse uh, after the war and the impact it will have for the future signings and it has for, for the previous signings. Uh, I just think that Marius Grigones has to expect for a kind of significant pay cut for, for, for the next uh, season because he was get in CSKA he signed a year 4 million euro con- uh, contract which is I'm not so sure if he was about to be paid 1.3 million euros from the first season maybe it was a growing contract but okay let's let's take an average of, of this contract I mean with the current situation especially okay in, in CSKA he his start was heavily impacted by his injury and i don't consider his experience with seska bad he became a okay solid uh, role player but it's, at the same time he wasn't he didn't became a let's say backcourt star of of seska team he got injured again i mean we know we all know his uh, injury history just 2 years ago he missed more than a half of the season in, in jalgiris even last year he was healthy he played all the regular season but if you remember from March or from April, he was he was wasn't playing at all. He was already he already had a CSKA contract in his pocket, so he just stopped playing for for Jalgiris. And now, if he will end up missing the rest of the season, not playing, I mean, we have three seasons where two of the three seasons you spent sidelined for one of or, uh, or, or another reason. So. I don't know. I don't see him getting anything close to 1.3 million ne- ne- next summer. Still this needs summer. to find a way of this contract. Yeah, that's that's the first thing, and I would consider him. Uh, I would consider inside him something close to, I don't know, 
800,000 euros, for example, 700,000 euros. Maybe even less, but you could sign a long-term It depends deal. on the situation, on a team, yeah, on your role. First of all, you have to work work. For example, I can see signing him signing with FS, for example. And, you know, we know FS, they can pay up to 1 million euros. Nah, I would I, You I, wouldn't I, sign him? I, I wouldn't sign him for FS. Actually, uh, well, again, first of all, he needs to find a way out of this contract with Saska, which runs until 2024. If he does, uh, I see some destinations in EuroLeague where he could be successful, and that is actually in Spain. He's mm -hmm. known in Spain already. He People in, in Spain know him as a good shooting guard. Um, if a team like Valencia steps up to the EuroLeague again, definitely could be a good signing for Valencia. If Basconia needs to replace one of their players, Basconia has a good history with Lithuanians. Marius Grigonis could end up there and could be a success. Uh, if you're talking about FS, Real Madrid... What about Milan, for example, if no, Devon Hall no, was, wasn't no, that successful? No, no. I mean, he would be way better than Grant, for example. Ettore Messina, in these years, we see that he needs players that can play very good in isolation, one-on-one, -on -one, which Grigonis is not. He doesn't attack the paint. He's not aggressive enough. He doesn't have the athleticism. And also, Ettore Messina prefers players who are athletic on defense. Marius Grigonis doesn't fit the profile, I'm sorry. Ettore Messina is signing Americans. He's going to continue signing the Kevin Punters, the Devon Halls, and all the other guys, not, not Grigonis. In Messina's team, you need to be able to play in ISO. Mm -hmm. Grigonis, when he plays in ISO, after the switch... Every single time, it's a step back and a free. And it's a step tough back contested shot. He was making those in Jalgiris, yeah. circus shots in Jalgiris, but come on. I mean, you need to be a Kevin Punter mm -hmm. to have the ball in your hands and play for Ettore Messina. So, no, I wouldn't see him yes. in Milan. So, it's a tough market for Grigonis, really. Yeah, for sure. And also, people will see that during the last years, he played only this amount of games. He spent so many months without playing because of the situation in Seska. So I, I can agree with you that it's not because of Grigonis, yeah. it's because of the circumstances he's put in a position like this. I think these not are sure. good examples. I, I don't really want to say anybody else because uh -huh. there are some players maybe who are not delivering as expected, yeah. but it's not as significant as, for example, williams got situation yeah. in Madrid. So from my side, it's enough, I think. Yeah. We can wrap things up maybe with this week's yeah, best games. We will have way more interesting games when the last week. And just a quick reminder, this is a double game week. And it starts with Tuesday, for example. FS, FS Real, Real Madrid. Madrid. Great game. It starts quite early. And yep. then you can watch Maccabi Milan. Uh, for example, uh, it's another very important game for Maccabi. I don't see them in the playoffs, but if they want to uh, remain in the playoff race, they have to beat teams like Milan, uh, playing at home especially. I think that Maccabi will have a very significant uh, um, week playing two uh, home games against Real Madrid and Milan this week. So on Wednesday, we have Monaco Olympiacos. Oh, yeah. Great game. Oh, yeah. Unpredictable game and very important game for, for Monaco. Monaco at home. So it's going to be it's going to be Did you see the game uh, of Monaco last week and how Mike James performed? 
making logo three pointers. Which game? You didn't see you that mean? story? I mean, uh, you mean the French league game? No, your league. Oh, <laughs> the practice. <laughs> nah, I mean, it again shows how the Euro League is not focusing on details on small things like yeah. like social. And media. it's all about the details, really. Yeah. It's all about the details. Oh, my bad. Mike James will not miss things like that on Twitter. <laughs> He and didn't respond. believe the he tweet will, for like will, more than respond. 40 minutes. It's that's gross. Yeah. Okay, so as I mentioned, Maccabi Real Madrid, um, FS Milan, another great game on Thursday. Uh, Bayern, they're not playing anymore, and somehow they will have a very tough, tough. They will have a triple game week, something like that, because of all these postponements. They're playing like every oh. second day, really. It's a nightmare scenario for Trinkieri. Uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing Fenerbahce finally. <laughs> they haven't played a Euroleague game for almost three weeks. Yeah. Finally, on Friday, they're facing Barcelona in, in Palau. And it's, it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah, so plenty of good games. I even forgot how Fenerbahce plays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're still on a losing uh, streak. So it's, it's I know they played Besiktas on the weekend. I didn't see that any of that action. I know that the Colo scored like 24, but... Vesely still out. I definitely forgot about Fenerbahce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> we Finally, they're going to get to play a EuroLeague game. So. Yeah, also, so they're playing Basconia before on, on Wednesday. Yep, yep, yep. So yep, it's, yep. Spa it's a Spanish trip for... I'm for, actually for surprised for how Basconia, um, they came to the party late, but they're still... I mean, it's just because Wade Baldwin started playing some serious <laughs> basketball. Maybe Nevin Spachia found the key to Wade Baldwin's heart because Wade Baldwin now is performing like he was last year for Trinquieri. Mm -hmm. The problem is that for Basconia during the first three or four months of the season, they were not there. They missed even the Copa del Rey. So, Did you see the timeout with Spahi and Gedraitis? No. What, what was that? Uh, you can find it on our Instagram page where he was like uh, during the timeout, Gedraitis started complaining about something, making some comments and Spahi was like, who who did who did even ask you anything? Uh, do you want to lead the timeout? Mm -hmm. And he started, you know, doing things like that. The I don't I don't like it. I mean, the good old Spahi is yeah. back. I don't really <laughs> like it. We thought that he changed when he was in the NBA. He came back being very positive, but the good old Spahi is still yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Deep in his heart, he's right. still good old Spahi. Yeah, so that's that's all, folks. Thanks for watching us. Follow us on basketnews.com, on basketnews.com YouTube channel, uh, and all the major audio platforms. Ritis, it was a pleasure. It was always. It's always a pleasure to be here with you, Donatas. Have a good week, all.